Oh, postpartum. That blurry, blissful time after you have your baby. But what's it really like? What can you expect? How does it really feel to bring a new baby home? Hey, I'm Chelsea, and here on the Postpartum Project, I get to talk to real moms about their postpartum experiences, because I believe that sharing our stories can help other moms feel seen and less alone. Yep, it's messy, but it's also pretty magical. Welcome to the Postpartum Project. Today I'm talking with Shanika. She's a mom of one, she's pregnant with her second, and just days before she had her first son, she went into a sickle cell crisis. Here's her story. Hey, Shanika, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to hear your story. Hi, Chelsea. Oh my gosh, I feel so honored to be welcomed today. This is so cool. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. So exciting. So first, um, just tell me about yourself. I want to know about you. What do you do for fun? What do you do with your days? Um, well, right now I am primarily a homemaker. Um, so my husband is the one that does everything for the most part outside of the household. So he makes it nice and cozy. So, you know, my son and I can stay home and, you know, I can stay healthy. I don't have to stress myself out with work. And um, my my son is amazing. So it's great being able to just stay at home and watch him grow up. Because like, it's, it, you know, I, I always wanted to be a mom, like when I was younger. Um, but I always just wanted it to be under like, you know, those ideal circumstances. And so to finally be in that moment in my life is pretty amazing. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like such a wonderful situation that you have. <laughs> um, so tell me about your family, your husband and your son. Um, my husband is um, a AGM for a restaurant chain and um He's amazing. Um, he originally grew up in Mexico, um, but he uh, moved here when I think he was about four years old, his family, him, his brother and his mom and dad moved here. Um, and he became an official citizen when he was like 22 years old. And he's just been a scholar. Like, I mean, my husband, he went to college and um, he wanted to go for criminal justice, but um, he just, he didn't kind of like how things were going in that area. So he decided against it and he was just working for his family, helping his family out. And um, that's when he ended up meeting me and I turned his life upside down. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, my son, I have a three-year-old. He just turned three in June. He's an amazing, crazy little kid. Uh, he's in that three-nager stage um, where he knows what he wants and he's going to tell you whether you want to hear it or not. And, um, but he's awesome. Like he's so loving. Like if he sees me crying or upset about something, he's like, mommy, don't cry. Don't cry. Or we'll try to wipe my, my face. Um, and he loves his grandparents so much. He thinks they're like his, his play toys. Like he's only a kid on grandkid on both sides. So he's like amazed with them and, um, they spoil the heck out of him. So, um, and yeah, he speaks two languages. He's always grown up around um, his grandparents for the most part. And um, even now, when, since we have our own home, um, he goes there every weekend. So he is really fluent in Spanish. It was so crazy. Um, we had him uh, do an evaluation because he was gonna start virtual school. And um, 
she's like, what language does he primarily speak? I was like, English, you know, because when he's with me, I teach him in English. Um, he gets to the evaluation and he speaks nothing but Spanish. They had to get him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They had to get him a translator. It was so crazy. I was like, she's like, yeah, it looks like he really mostly wants to speak Spanish. But she said that kind of happens a lot, though, in homes that speak both languages. Um, she said that nine times out of 10, the longer he's there, he'll probably just speak whatever the kids are speaking for the most part in the teacher. Cause that's how he does with his grandparents. Like with my mom, she doesn't speak really any Spanish at all. And so he'll get to a point to where he just speaks straight English with her. But most of the time my mom's like, look, you guys slow it down, buddy. Like, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. So, and you're also pregnant now as well. Yes, I am pregnant uh, 27 weeks and uh, do with another boy. So I'm going to be a mommy of boys. Oh, my God. Initially, I was I was really um like kind of hesitant because I was like, oh, my gosh, like I already don't really know what I'm doing with this one boy. Like, <laughs> but I did. I wanted a son first. And then I was like, oh, I had no idea it was like that I would have another one like back, like back to back. But now I'm just really excited that I'll get to see my boys grow up and like they're not mama's boys but my son's not a mama's boy right now so I'm hoping this next one will be kind of more of a mama's boy yeah you never know we'll see. yeah yeah sometimes you get opposites yeah we'll see <laughs> that's awesome so I'd love to know a little bit about your journey to becoming pregnant the first time how that all went down Ooh, um that was interesting um my um husband um we so we met at the restaurant that we worked at together i was a a manager there at the time i interviewed him everything like the whole nine so we were friends for quite some time before that and um like he just made my birthday really special a few years ago and it just like blossomed from there and we started dating it was really fast paced though and um i we got engaged um in october and the a week later uh, i mean i mean a few months no we got engaged in december i took that back um we officially started dating in october and a week after he proposed to me i found out i was pregnant so i was like losing my mind because I had just gotten a promotion at my job and I had gotten uh, sent to another store that was like an hour and a half away from my house. So I was driving an hour and a half each way. I was so tired. Um, it was not an easy pregnancy in the beginning because like I would literally be falling asleep driving and I never like, I, did, I did, but I still had no idea I was pregnant. It was the craziest thing. Um, and so one night he had come home or to my house and um, I was just getting ready for bed, but I couldn't really fall asleep just yet. I was really hungry. I was like, this is weird. And I had gotten so sick. Um, and, but it wasn't like nausea or anything. I had like a cold all of a sudden. And I'm like, I don't really get colds very often. So I was taking NyQuil during the day or DayQuil during the day and NyQuil at that night. That was the first time. And then I was like, you know what? I probably should just take a test just to be sure. Because I'm like, I'm taking this medicine. But I was like, I had been married prior um, and we tried for a year and a half and I had never gotten pregnant. So I didn't think that it was going to happen at all for me. 
because um, I had been on birth control for so long prior to that. I was on um, the depo shot for 10 years and it was, my periods were so irregular back and forth, back and forth. And so um, I was just like, oh, it doesn't hurt to take a test. When I tell you, <laughs> like I went to put noodles in the microwave and by the time I came back and looked at the test, I lost my mind. I was like, oh my gosh. And so he's asleep by this point. And so like, I go to wake him up. I'm like, Manny, Manny, Manny. Cause he's a really hard sleeper. He's snoring and everything. So then he, I, like he like half wakes up and he's, his eyes are still closed. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he just gets this big Cheshire grin rolling across his face. And he was so happy. Meanwhile, I'm panicked. Um, and But I was happy because, like, we had talked about it. And it was like, if it does happen, it's not the end of the world. Like, whatever. You know, because we knew we wanted to be together. Like, this man didn't play games. Like, literally, he asked me out. And then that same week, he was like, look, I want you to meet my mom on Friday. He was playing no games. So it was like, we knew like we wanted a family and that's that was one thing that he told me that he enjoyed about being married because we sat with um another couple my best friend she just got married and we were sitting with them and they asked us like what do we enjoy about being married and that was one thing he said he said just um knowing that she's there for me and that you know that just just having that something solid knowing that she's going to be there no matter what and that she loves me and I have that family. And I was like, wow, okay. Cause you know, he's seen his parents grow up and they've been married for 30 some odd years. So, and despite everything they've been through, you know, so it's just like, that's beautiful to see. And then for him to actually want that, not a lot of men who he was in his twenties, you know, his like early twenties. So it was like, okay. Um, but I was panicked. I, he was like, but I thought this is what we wanted. I was like, yeah, but not this soon. Like, <laughs> just like I was like, your mom's going to think I trapped you. Like, I was just in it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And so, I mean, but everything went really well in the beginning of my pregnancy. Um, because I have sickle cell anemia, which is uh, um, a uh, hereditary blood disorder, um, I just wanted to be a little more careful and the doctors did too, even though I rarely have any issues. Like I used to not really have any major issues um, growing up. So I was 29 at the time when I got pregnant. So, um, and I very rarely had any problems. So they were just like, okay, it's on a hand of precaution, we'll put you on blood thinners. And which meant I had to um, poke my stomach twice a day with, um, with Lovenox injections. So, and it, that was, I think, part, the only hardest part of my pregnancy, I think, was just getting up the nerve to stick yourself. Like, ugh, that was really hard. But um, I got through that part. Um, after a while, it just came to a point after having like panic attacks, trying to sit there for an hour just to stick yourself. Like, I finally was able to do it because, and because I was asking other people, people I didn't even really like to just, because I knew they would be willing to poke me. So, <laughs> and that was hard. So, um, but my pregnancy went really, really well up until um, I started having contractions at 28 weeks. So, um, once that happened, um, 
I was at work that day and I was sitting in a meeting, sitting down, doing nothing, not stressed out or anything like that. We were just in a normal meeting and um, the contractions just started coming on. And I'm like, I'm just like, why am I so uncomfortable? And like my coworker, um, Veronica, she could see it in my face. And she's like, come on, let's go take a walk. And so we start walking and they just get more intense, more intense and keep coming. And uh, she's like, you know, do you want me to call an ambulance? I was like, no, like, I'm like, it, it, they they're, weren't that painful or anything like that. I was, she was like, I was like, uh, they said as long as they don't go for longer than an hour, I should be fine. So an hour comes and goes and I'm still not ready to <laughs> go to the hospital. And she's like, look, I'm calling you an ambulance now. It's been longer than an hour. And I'm like, fine. Who wants to get <laughs> taken away in an ambulance from their job? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, no. So they took me away. Um, she came with me because um, she, she's a sweetheart. And so um, they gave me some muscle relaxants and I was fine. I went back to work the next day because I was working 60, 70 work hour weeks and like, I, my pregnancy was the least of my concerns. Like I, it didn't bother me. Like nothing was going wrong. And so I was fine up until about, I think again, around, um, 31 weeks. Um, I started having contractions again. And at that point I was like, I'm driving myself to the hospital. And, uh, I got there and they monitored the contractions. They're like, this is the second time you've been here. Um, and so they're like, well, um, it's probably just dehydration. I'm like, look, it's not. I literally drink gallons of water a day. Like my urine is clear. Like that's not the issue. And I'm like, it's because I'm working so much. It's got to be. That's the only thing that's like that I'm not doing carefully. And, um, you know, my doctor had given me a letter to say, oh, you could sit down, you know, you know, during periods and stuff like that. But I was like, that's not going to fly with the job that I have. I was a kitchen manager. So um, there was nothing I could really do. You know, I would do that because I would get a lot of like fainting spells and stuff like that. Um, and so I just was like, okay, whatever. So, um, they're like, we're going to give you the steroid shot in order to develop the baby's lungs just in case, um, he's born early. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, um, they give me one steroid shot, um, and this is Saturday night. They give me another steroid shot um, on Sunday night. Um, monitored me for an hour and everything was fine. I go home. Um, I get home about 11 p.m. at night after stopping for some emote, of course. <laughs> and um, they, um, like my lower back is like killing me. And I'm just like, I'm just going to sleep it off. Like it you know, it wasn't anything like that was heavy or anything like that. I had never really had any back pain during my whole pregnancy. So maybe that should have clued me and I probably should have taken something for it. But I was like, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Like, that's my thing. If I can sleep it off instead of taking something for it, that's what I'll do. So I lay down, I woke up at 1am in the worst pain of my life. So with this, a sickle cell crisis is essentially like where you're, um, your blood just does not have enough oxygen in it. And so say for instance, you lay on like a part of your body or something like that, you know, the pain of it, the blood rushing back to it. Um, so that's just how it, it feels like it's just extremely painful for hours on end until you can get that pain in control. Sometimes days, like most 
sickle cell patients, anytime I go to the hospital, I'm in the hospital for a minimum of like two weeks at a time. Um, and most of the time I would only be there because of like pneumonia or something like that. So I was always very careful. Um, and you know, you just don't get too cold or too hot. Like those like things really trigger it. So this time I had no idea like where this crisis could have came from. It was in my entire back and it just felt like someone was just stabbing me, like just up and down my back. And so I called my grandmother. She um, was supposed to be there because she only lived like 20 minutes away from me. She was not coming fast enough. 20 minutes came and went and I'm like, where are you? And she's like, I'm, I just left the house. And I'm like, oh no, I can't wait for you anymore. So I called an ambulance at that point, locked up my house, stood out in my driveway and just waited until the ambulance got there, which didn't take them long at all because they were right, the hospital was right around the corner for me. Um, not the hospital that I normally go to, um, but um, they took me there. They asked me, which most hospitals, um, especially the neighborhood that I was in, um, they know a little bit more about sickle cell crises because it's normally in um, ethnic um, people. So um, this was a really good, I got, a, I got a really good doctor that knew about sickle cell because a lot of them don't. Um, so she was like, what do you normally take? And anytime I'm in the hospital, the only thing that will decrease the pain almost immediately is morphine. And you don't want to take that, but she was like, it's safe enough for the baby. So that's what we'll give you. So they gave me a dose of morphine and I was finally able to talk because I literally couldn't hardly speak between like just crying. And even once my mother, grandmother got to the hospital, she was like, this looks worse than labor. Like I, she had never seen me in a full blown sickle cell crisis at that point in my life. She'd never seen that before. And so it was kind of traumatizing for her. And so um, I finally, they finally got everything under control and they decided, um, because I was contracting a little bit at the time, they're like, you know, we know everything with your records and everything are at the other hospital. So we'll just send you there. So they send me an ambulance and in, into the hospital. And of course, like the morphine wears off by the time I'm there because it's midday traffic by this or morning traffic by this point. And um, I was just in excruciating pain um, still. And so once I got there, they're still trying to get my pain under control. Nothing's working at this point. Um, and then um, they decided to put me on a PCA pump um, for the pain where I just pressed the button. So I'm just loopy, I'm out of it. My husband says he was there at the hospital. I don't remember that. Um, I just rarely, like vaguely remember talking to my mom at some points, talking to my grandmother, her telling me that she's moving to Atlanta when she was supposed to stay. Like the, some of the traumatic things, of course, I remember. <laughs> um, and then they decided to poke a hole in my neck to give me blood plasma. And that still doesn't work because usually transfusions will help to bring your um, blood count up because your blood count drastically drops. Um, for sickle cell patients, ours is never normal. For me, since I don't have full bone sickle cell, mine is usually in the normal range. So for me to go anything lower than that, it's there's something wrong. So um, they were trying to get my blood count up, hoping that that would help with the pain that wasn't helping. And then eventually they tried to give me an epidural 
the first epidural only worked on one side, so they had to redo it. They did it again and it worked, but it did not stop the pain. And then at this point, um, my son started having decelerations in his heart rate. So this is um, what, two days later. So um, they eventually on the 20, um, Jesus, he was born on the 26th or the 28th, the 28th of June, <laughs> they decide to take him. And, you know, by C-section, emergency C-section, they wouldn't even let me try to give birth to him or anything like that. So I, I was crushed because I wanted a natural birth. And then I know how my body reacts to surgery, which it doesn't, usually I wake up out of surgery in a sickle cell crisis and I'm already in a sickle cell crisis. So I'm just like, but at that point, I just was so over it and I just wanted a healthy baby and I wanted to feel better because it was just days and days of like, you know, two days of them just trying stuff and not nothing working. I was in the ICU, like that's just how bad it was. So um, they um, got him out. He, they, we had no idea he was even out because they wouldn't, they didn't say anything to us. They didn't, like, my husband was like, is he out yet? I was like, I'm pretty sure he is. And he's like, but I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, yeah. And so, but I'm like, I don't feel heavy anymore. Like, and so he looks over and yeah, they had gotten him out, but he was not breathing. And, um, then he, uh, they, you know, my husband went with him for a while, um, and then came back in to show me after, you know, I was in recovery to show me pictures of him and, um, to tell me like what was going on. And so he showed me pictures and he was huge, had a head full of hair. Like he was three pounds, 11 ounces, born at 31 weeks and four days. So he, he was a big boy. They had already kind of told me that, like, I think my 28 week checkup or something like that. They were like, well, he's got a big belly, like, you know, and I'm like this big, like I'm 128 pounds. And I had, I think I gained maybe like 10 or 12 pounds the whole pregnancy. So like, I, yeah, I think I started out at 116. I originally was losing weight in the beginning of my pregnancy because I was just so nauseated. I didn't want to touch food. Um, and then, um, yeah, he, he was on a ventilator for an hour and, um, after an hour he started breathing on his own completely and he had no deficits, nothing was wrong with him. Like he was literally fine. He came home in, um, three weeks and three days after that. Um, I was in the hospital, I think until July 2nd. Um, recovering and I think I would have went home a lot sooner had they um, like I was on the floor with the other moms who were recovering from childbirth but um, so and but a lot of them didn't know anything about sickle cell it was really weird so they would let me sleep through giving me my medicine for the pain and that was what I was there for was pain management like everything else was fine like my C-section scar, that didn't bother me, that it didn't hurt. I had no problems having a bowel movement, you know, like they, everybody's scared to have a bowel movement after they have their baby. Like I had no problems with that. I was like, I was ready to go home. I'm like, please just let me go home. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like at night, the nurses just didn't give a crap. Like they're just like, well, I have other stuff to do. 
And my doctor is like, I literally had to like have a talk with my doctor. I'm like, look, I, I really just want to go home. If they were to may, be able to manage my pain throughout the entire day, because during the day I was fine. People would come see me and they're like, oh, she looks like she's doing really good. And then I would like, my somebody would come visit me in the morning and I'd be like irate the next day because I'm like, look, nobody's doing anything for my pain management at night. Like they're letting me sleep through it. So the next morning I wake up in the most pain of my life. Breastfeeding was, well, not breastfeeding because of course I couldn't breastfeed. Um, I didn't get to see my son until he was like two days old almost um, because I just was not able to get up um, like and be steady enough yet. Um, so by the second day, though, they finally let me get up and see him. Um, I didn't hold him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't wasn't able to hold him until then. And um, but he was he was amazing at, at latching once we were finally able to get him on breast. Um, and then my milk had came in amazing. So like I was pumping and like everything was it was perfect. They're like, man. I've never seen somebody's milk come in this fast, like, and like pump this much. Like I was surprised at it myself. Cause like normally, you know, when you have a C-section your body doesn't react as well, but I don't know what was going on, but they were like, it's, it, it's best for you to do this anyway, especially because, you know, he was on all those pain meds. I was on essentially while he was in there and you don't want him to go through withdrawal. So like I was sending my milk down the left and right, like, and even once I finally got home, um, I got home and I was waking up every two, three hours, just pumping. Really sad that I didn't get to take my baby home though. Like that to me was really hard. I think that was the hardest part of my recovery. Like, yeah, I was swelled up and swollen with all this fluid on my body and had to pee every two seconds. To, like I was still pregnant, but um, my C-section scar didn't hurt like I wasn't in pain with that it was just waking up every two hours not to just be able to bond with my baby and just having to like try to make it up there you know three or four times a week to see him um and just hoping that they would tell me something like that he could go home or something like that and but I mean every time I went up there he was improving on a lot of things so it was great when I did get to see him because the hospital was about an hour away from me. So that was, that made it even harder to go visit him. But um, yeah, recovery went really, really well. Um, I still was in a lot of pain as far as sickle cell goes. Like my, like I said, my C-section scar didn't bother me not one bit. Um, it was just the sickle cell pain still was a lot harder to manage than I was used to usually once I come out of the hospital, I'm like pretty much 90% okay. Um, and I'm not really taking very much at all, if anything, but, um, that was, I think the hardest thing to overcome was the sickle cell pain. Um, and while I was pregnant, I was having like a little bit of pain in my hips, but I, you know, they just thought, said it was round ligament pain. And once you get, you know, have the baby, you should be fine but that wasn't the case for me. Um, so I was dealing with that pain of, you know, when I was walking and everything. And then, um, but once he came home, like I kind of just, just forgot all about that. I was just so happy. They called me one morning, um, at like nine o'clock in the morning. I was like, Hey, you can come get him. And I'm like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> like, we're like, excuse me. Like, 
wait a minute, like you didn't say anything the day before. Like they told us that he had ripped his tube out of his nose and we we're like, oh, okay. Um, and they're like, well, since he did that, we're just gonna take that as a sign that he might be ready and we'll see how he does with the bottles and everything like that. So I'm thinking they're just gonna evaluate this over an entire 24 hour span. So we still wouldn't get him right away. And nope, nine o'clock, my husband had already left for work that day. He was bartending that morning and um, he um, had to like finish up all the prep and stuff like that and finish getting that done. And his mom stayed home from work that day because he like kind of strong armed me into moving in with his family because he's like, look, like they can watch over you, um, you know, once the baby comes home and you'll have help and stuff like that. Cause like he worked kind of crazy, crazy hours at that time. He was uh, a server and he was bartender at the, at the restaurant. So like he just did everything. And, um, and he also was like thinking about going part-time as a, um, manager at that point so he was just like doing whatever he could to get you know as much money as he could for us and so I was like okay like that's fine I'll move in with them or whatever if it'll you know help out with the baby and I won't be alone all the time so um his mom stayed home that day from work and she's like let's go so we had to go to bye bye baby before we would had to go pick him up because we had nothing we had no car seat no because they told us he was gonna stay there until his due date which his due date was august 28th so we weren't thinking like okay like he's coming home. no like it, it was the last thing on our mind because he was born june 28th it wasn't due till august 28th he was so early so it was like okay we have time you know we were waiting to have a baby shower and stuff like that um with you know without him or whatever so like whatever so no yeah went to bye bye baby I was so out of it like she had used um, her credit card to pay for everything I went and signed the credit card slip like that's just how nervous and excited I was like but we got everything that we needed got the car seat um, and went to the hospital my husband met us there and uh we got to take our son home like it was it's nerve-wracking they don't tell you like they make the the baby sit in a car seat for 90 minutes like that I learned that day I was like what and I thought my baby looked so uncomfortable like I was just like and he was so tidy like he was barely even five pounds at that point and I'm just like but he looks so uncomfortable and he was just like crying and I was like, okay, if this, I understand. Like, they made me watch a video about why it was necessary. I'm like, okay, this makes sense, you know, like, why they're doing it. Um, and I'm glad they did it because it kind of took my mind off of, like, <laughs> watching him sit there for a whole hour and a half. I'm like, ugh. So, um, but I learned a lot. Um, and they took really good care of me while I was there. Like, because if you're a pumping mom, they um, still feed you meals while you come there to see your baby, which was really nice because I was, breastfeeding made me like ferociously hungry all the time. <laughs> like, like I don't understand, like they say like the correlation between breastfeeding and lose a lot of weight, which I did. I think I went down to like 110 after I had my son, like after all the swelling went away, everything, like I was super skinny again, didn't even look like I had had a baby. And, um, which is weird because like, I just don't see how that happens like I, but the breastfeeding just 
it just took all the weight away so fast. And because um, I was eating like so much, I'm like, how am I losing weight at the same time? But I mean, if you think about it, you're making all these nutrients for this kid. Um, and it's got, it's going somewhere, obviously. <laughs> so, um, took him home and he did amazing. Um, no issues at all. Like they had me add a little bit of, um, formula to his breast milk. So like one, he had one bottle a day, which was great. Cause then it gave him the opportunity for somebody else to feed him. Um, and then he would learn how to use a bottle as well as um, the breast and he never had nipple confusion or anything like that so he was an amazing baby like I I'm scared this pregnancy because I'm like I feel like he tricked me he duped me into thinking that all kids are going to be this great because like even to this day he still sleeps like 12 hours at a time like I mean don't get me wrong it took him until he was six months old to sleep through the night um, because he still wanted to wake up and get milk in the middle of the night. And my doctor looked at me like, look, you can stop that now. Like he's big enough because going from a preemie, he gained weight so fast. By the time he was like two, no, three months old, he was like 13 pounds. He was huge. He got to be really, really chunky, really, really fast. And so I was proud of myself. I was like, look, I'm, I'm obviously doing a good enough job, you know, like, and um, cause you worry, you know, everybody looks at oh, your baby's so small and blah, blah, blah. And I just hated anybody, anytime anybody said my baby was small, I just look at them and roll my eyes. I'm like, look, he was born early, but look, this dude's great. Like he has no problems. I was a really proud mom. Um, very, sh like, I didn't let anybody help me with him for the first three months. Cause I just was so concerned with him. Um, but then it got to a point to where I was just exhausted and I realized I needed to just take that help. So I l allowed his family to finally help me. And, um, and then I just like started delegating stuff. Like they would do his baths at night um, and things like it would give me a nice little break, you know, because between breastfeeding and pumping, like you feel like you don't have any time to yourself at all um and it's it's not even your body anymore like you appreciate the fact that you can do it but at some point you're like who like when am i gonna get a break like you know and you just think about it, like you've got to do this for a minimum like a year you know until they transition the milk but it went by so fast and um he eventually um like self-weaned himself at 10 months because between him going back and forth between his grandparents and my mom's house during the day so I could um, work a little bit, um, the milk was obviously coming out faster in the nipple. So this time, that's one thing I learned for next time is to make sure that he sticks with the slow flow nipples so that way he doesn't think like, oh, why would I stick with the boob if I can get this a whole lot faster out of the bottle? Like, <laughs> that just makes more sense. So, um, but yeah, he stopped at 10 months, but he kept on with the breast milk until he transitioned at um, 12 months. And then they were like, look, you can go to milk. And then he, he was 40 pounds when he was 12 months old. Holy smokes. So, so chunky, so huge. Like he was so big that they were like, that's probably why he's not like crawling or ready to walk yet or anything. And like, cause I was worried. I'm like, this dude hasn't... 
But I mean, think about it. He's got all these people willing to pick him up. And, you know, like, it, it was hard for him to, like, really just get up with a big belly like that. Like, he was chunky. Like, I, but I love, oh, my God, he was, like, he, he still is the cutest thing. But, like, he's he's so tiny now. Not not tiny, but, like, he's 40. He's back to where he was, 40 pounds and a half now at three years old. <laughs> so it was, like, once he did start walking at 14 months, all, like, the weight kind of just, like, went down a, a little bit. Um but that was an amazing like journey, but um, I still didn't feel like myself once six months hit. Um, and I went to my doctor's appointment um, and I was like, you know, my hips were still in a lot of pain and I'm just like, this isn't normal. Like I'm like, I'm having a lot of sickle cell pain. And she's like, oh, um, you know, it's still normal not to feel like yourself at six months. And I'm like, I'm just like, everything else is fine. Like, you know, that's not an issue. Like I went and got an IUD when I was like three months postpartum to make sure I, you know, didn't have another baby too soon. Cause I wanted to make sure I gave myself that 18 months in between. If it was up to my family, they probably would have wanted me to have another kid right away. Cause even at the gender reveal, they're like, Hey, so we got our boy. When's the next baby coming? I'm like looking at them like seriously, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm. I was just that. That to me, I was just like a little weirded out about. And come to find out, I was right. Um, I got on these uh, Facebook groups that um, are support groups for people with sickle cell, and so. I would, the more I was reading, I saw something pop up about how they were talking about their hips were hurting and um, they were diagnosed with um, what's called AVN or avascular necrosis. And I'm like, okay, that's um, interesting. And they were like, yeah, they were going to end up needing hip replacements. And I'm like looking at them and they're like so young. And then I ended up seeing, um, what is it called? I think it's one of those Netflix movies um, that's about medicine. And um, there was as young as a girl who was 18 years old, she had a double hip replacement as well too. And so I was like, wow, like maybe this is what it is. Um, but I was like, I don't have, you know, like severe symptoms like that. Like I don't have a lot of sickle cell crises for it, you know, me to be that way. So I was a little like hesitant about it. But then eventually things got to the point to where like I felt like my hip was giving out on me and I would be walking and just want to collapse on one side. It was just the right hip at first, but then eventually it became the left hip as well. And um, it got to the point to where my right hip was swollen. And I'm like, I really, you know, I'm like, this isn't good. Something's wrong. And so I went to the emergency room because I had an appointment, but like, it's hard to get in with the sickle cell doctors themselves. So I was just like, I'll just wait it out or whatever. But then I got to the point when the swelling started, I was like, no, I need to go in. So I went in and they told me, um, I like, they looked at me like I was crazy because like I was in a sickle cell crisis, but I'm a very like mellow person. Like I don't cry. Like most of them come in and they're crying or they're shouting or, whatever and like um I have to be like in a really bad crisis for me to do that like it has to be like over the top and out of completely out of control 
but um, I'm sitting there joking with my husband, like going back and forth because, you know, I made sure I did it over the weekend so I would have someone to watch my son. And so he went with me that day and, um, I, you know, I'm showing them like my limited range of motion and how painful it is. And I was like, I think it's avascular necrosis. I'm not really sure. But, you know, this based upon, you know, other people that I've talked to and seen and other sickle cell patients that this could be what it is. And they're like, yeah, okay. Like every time I go in there and I try to like say something like that, they look at me like I have three eyeballs. So I was like, okay. Um, and they're like, well, we'll do x-rays and we'll see what we see. And then they did blood draws and they're like, yeah, you definitely are in a sickle cell crisis. Cause, and they're like, man, we don't see patients like you. Like, it's really weird. Most of them might come in and they're really mean to us. And because you're grouchy as hell, think about it. You're in pain. Like, and you wonder why, like, and this is what has made me truly understand older people a lot of the time. It's funny, but it's true. Like, if you're old and your body is just like, not doing what it's supposed to do anymore it's failing you at every turn you're gonna be grouchy you're not gonna be a happy person you're gonna you know like not be nice about things but for me like I just try I know it's not their fault they didn't do this to me like you know so I don't try to take it out on them um I can't say what I do when I'm under a lot of pain meds honestly <laughs> but um but for the most nice when I'm like getting um registered and stuff like that so um they come in and they're like oh yeah you are in a sickle cell crisis um, and they start giving me pain meds they said we're going to um actually um like have you stay and I'm like okay so um so yeah they admitted me um I um was like it's fine you know because I had someone to, to watch uh, uh, my son over the weekend or whatever and then um they came back in with the x-rays and they're like yeah you definitely have avascular necrosis um there's a lot of like wear down of the femoral head of the bone and he said it's on both sides both hips and he said you also have arthritis <laughs> oh no yay i'm 30 years old with arthritis <laughs> oh no and this is i'm getting diagnosed with this literally a year after i had given birth so like i was just like this is not fun you know like i'm not gonna be as mobile as i need to be and my son's just turning one he's just like getting ready to you know really start moving and everything so that was kind of devastating to me but i was just like well i'm still moving now so like hopefully you know things won't get really bad or anything like that. Um, and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll um, get you set up with um, an orthopedic surgeon and we'll see what they want to do. They might um, want to go ahead and do, um, do just uh, what they call a core decompression is where they drop drill holes and hope that, and sometimes they use stem cells to promote uh, bone growth and things like that but it just depends on like the degree that it's at already um, and so I went back and forth between doctors dealing with that and then in August of that same year I don't know what the cause of it was or anything like that but um, in August I ended up waking up one morning 
And I, I felt really good that morning. Like I was like, man, I'm not in any pain or anything. So it was like a great morning. And I was like, I can actually wake up and go get my son out of the bed, you know, cause like he was what woke me up. And I'm like, I heard him over the monitor. I'm like, I'm going to go get him myself. You know, usually my husband will be the one to go upstairs. Cause at this point we have been sleeping downstairs primarily on the couch because, um, me going up and down the stairs sometimes it was just too much for me so I like he had bought me a recliner and everything to make things like even more comfortable for me and so like I went upstairs and I used the bathroom first and by the and like I came out of the bathroom and I couldn't like breathe it was so weird I'm like what is going on and then after a while, like I, as, as I like kneeled there, I couldn't see, like I was just seeing stars. Like it was dark and I was seeing stars. And I'm like, this is so weird. And so like, I'm just waiting. Hopefully maybe I just got up too fast. Like, you know, like, what? I don't know. And it never went away. So I'm like screaming downstairs to my husband to come upstairs. Like Manny, Manny, come get the baby, come get the baby. And so he comes and he goes to go get the baby and um and then he comes to me and he's like are you okay and I'm like no like I can't I don't I like I, I'm gonna pass out he takes me and lays me down on the bed and um like well, he's just trying to figure out what to do he's like do you want me to call an ambulance I'm like no like I'm just hoping like you know that it'll just go away and I'm like but I just I couldn't catch my breath at all and I'm still not able to see like it was the weirdest thing and so then um an hour of this goes by because like at first he's like well I'll just drive you to the hospital or whatever and I'm like no that's an hour away like I don't even know if I'm gonna make it at this point and usually I'm not like that like I'm like the last person to want to go to the hospital like it's like pulling teeth and he's like he's like no he's like you want me to just call the ambulance now I'm like yep so the ambulance gets there, they put the oxygen on me and I start to finally be able to breathe a little bit better. And I can finally see like a little bit better. So that was great. And then um, they get me in there and they're like, you know, do you know what could be going on? And I'm like, no, like I, I'm not in any pain or anything like that. Like I woke up feeling great this morning. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I just can't breathe like and before they put the oxygen me I couldn't see and they're like okay well we'll do some tests um and they did I think a CT scan or, or an MRI I can't remember which one and the, the emergency doctor came in and he's like oh well you have several clots in your lungs and I'm like <laughs> just start laughing at him I'm like you're shitting me right like, like me, me and my husband look at him we are just dumbfounded because we cannot believe no no that's not uh -uh. <laughs> no have it <laughs> so and he's like yeah you're lucky to have come in when you did because otherwise um, you wouldn't have made it. He's like, I'm really glad you came in when you did. I'm like, he's like, yeah, we're gonna have to do an ultrasound to see if like any other clots were in your legs or anything like that. Cause that's usually where they come from. And he's like, we, you know, like 
did you do anything different? I'm like, no, like, I mean, he's like, I'm like, we have no idea. They're still to this day, they have no idea what the reasoning as to why that happened. Um, they're just saying maybe it was from lack of movement, but either way, the fact that they don't really know why it happened, they're still to this day, they're just like, well, you're going to be on blood thinners for the rest of your life. And, you know, so that's great. Um, which it's nice because Eloquis, um, it's just a pill I can take once a day, but when you are pregnant or trying to get pregnant, you have to go on the the injections. Mm. So, and even when I was trying to get pregnant, I had to start the injections. So that was joyous. Yeah. Oh man. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy journey after having my son. Um. I, but I wouldn't change it for the world, and I'm definitely prepared for this next one. Um, I just like, I'm just hoping that everything continues to go pretty well. Only thing so far with this pregnancy is I felt my one hour glucose test. Oh, <laughs> I did too. Don't feel bad. Like this is something else I'm learning this pregnancy too. It's just like they, they tell you that a pregnancy is different, but you don't really like see it until it happens to you. Cause I was like, Oh, I've been through it already. Like I've seen every side of it. Like this should be fine, except for like giving natural, you know, having natural births. But, geez, Louise, like this this baby is 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 fun so far. But I do appreciate the fact that I am home this time because I actually get to enjoy like my pregnancy. Um, I didn't really remember my son moving a whole heck of a lot. Like this baby, it's like he has a party going on like, or that he's moving furniture sometimes. Like, I'm just like, what dude, what's going on in there? Like he's, he's great. And so I know he's, he's nice and healthy. Um, and then I, I just, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to be able to actually enjoy this pregnancy and like just, go through and be like oh I'm 27 weeks like before I don't even think I were I was working 60 70 workout weeks so I never got to really just be like oh this is great like I was lucky that I got my um maternity photos done because that was done at 31 weeks and I had them at 31 four so I got really really lucky with that um so this time we're doing it a little earlier we're doing them on Friday oh <laughs> just how to exciting make sure yeah, I'm super excited. We're just going to JCPenney. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah. We're just going to JCPenney, but um, but it's just something, and we all have matching outfits, so it'll be oh. nice like, I get to actually do it, because last time um, it was just me in all the photos, but this time I want my husband and my son, and um, I'm just super, super excited. Like, I want to do the baby mama dance. Like, it's just It'll be nice, but I'm just hoping that this baby doesn't, like, decide he wants to be born early. Like, I just, I want him to stay in there as long as he can. Um, but I would like to have him before the new year. That would be the only thing. It would be a few weeks early, but still, I would like to have him before the new year so I can start out my new year with my new baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, before we go, uh, do you have any words of wisdom for other postpartum moms or soon-to-be postpartum moms out there? Wow. Um, I know they say this a lot, but, like, accept the help. I know with things going on now, it's definitely a lot harder. 
um, to even be comfortable welcoming someone else into your household. And here in Illinois, they're going, they just went up on restrictions here. Um, but I noticed I didn't really let my husband help me with a whole lot. And when he was little, and I regret that because it took him a long time to kind of get the hang of things. And for me to like kind of trust him with stuff. And so this time, like, just, I just want to make sure that I, you know, explain to him exactly what's going on. So he's aware and he can be able to help and I can relax. Because sometimes, you know, you tell them to do stuff and then you just go behind them and double check it. But um, that was one thing that once he got the hang of it, like I was able to relax and not stress myself out about things. So let that man help you (laughs) (laughs) or let whoever else is in that household help you. Like I'm, I'm going to welcome that help within my home this time um, versus last time, because, you know, you are dealing with a lot and you don't realize it. Um, Your body's healing from a lot, whether it be you giving birth naturally, you're that's a very sensitive area down there. Like I can't imagine giving birth naturally. Like I, I, I give mad props to the women who do that. And then recovering from a C-section is, can still be really difficult, especially for moms like me this time, I'll have a three-year-old on top of it. So I'm just like, you know, but I, I think accept all the help you can get. Let, let those kids be involved. That's something I'm really learning too. Um, I, I got him a, a doll so he can learn to be gentle, um, and realize like what's going on to kind of keep him involved throughout everything. But, um, and I'm definitely going to keep him involved after the baby's here so he can be comfortable and not feel like, oh, this one's replacing me or anything like that. But, um, yeah, that, I think that would be my biggest advice. Let him help. If, especially if he's willing to. Yeah. And if he's not, you better tell him, like, look, I just birthed this kid. I need a break. If you don't want me to be grouchy and you want me to be ready after six weeks for stuff, you need to be willing to help me. Yup. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. I just love talking to you and hearing all about your experience. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you for allowing me to be on. Like, this is awesome. I probably talked your ear off for forever, but um, it's it's really great to share my story, especially because I don't know of a lot of other women who have had um, children that have sickle cell or anything like that. Um, so, like, my postpartum journey was definitely different. Um, but at the same time, like, I think it's something that people should just be aware of, like, that sometimes if you're not feeling better after six months or three months even, make sure you get it checked out because these kids, they take a lot out of you, you know, all your nutrients are just depleted. And sometimes there could actually be something wrong. So it pays to pay attention to yourself and your body. I know sometimes a lot of the times we let go of ourselves and don't focus on what we need, but you can't pour out of an empty cup. Absolutely, that's so true. Oh, man. Well, thank you. And thank you, listener. I loved hearing Shanika's story, and I hope you did, too. If you did, give us a rating, share with your friends, and subscribe. It really helps other folks find this podcast and feel seen and less alone.